A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now, let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest loves to write, whether it's writing fiction or nonfiction. She has written two novels, Dream Teeny and Dream Teeny 2, The Reality. She also allows her readers to get to know her through her nonfiction works, which are titled Pieces of Me and Simply Me, where she shares her most intimate feelings and thoughts. When she is not writing, she is learning about the newest Lego sets and characters being taught to her by her two sons. Ladies and gentlemen, Arnitris Dowdy. Arnitris, what is going on? Nothing. I'm just chilling, relaxing. There we go. There we go. First and foremost, I'm going to start it off. Like I start off with everyone. Um, 2020 has been the most unpredictable year ever um so much going on from the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic to the continuation of racism social injustice that seemed to explode this year um so many people are dying at the hands of the police both former and current so how are you managing through everything that's going on I'm just really trying to maintain Um, I have two younger boys, so, you know, my thoughts are always with them, hoping that things will get better. Um, It's just a crazy time right now. It just really is. Absolutely. So you mentioned you had two boys. um, Did you have to go through the homeschooling with them? Yes. And then the first hit? How was that been? I've been blessed to have, you know, um, help. So, you know, they've been homeschooling with their grandmother. Um, okay. Yeah. But it's it's hard because, you know, for them, they miss their friends. They want to get back to school. They want to do you know, right. activities. And so it's just, like I said, it's a crazy time and it's also hard. And now, you know, we got to worry about the school year, the upcoming school year, whether or not they're going, whether or not they're going to be in school or if they're going to be homeschooled. Mm. Right, right. I know it's so many, it's so crazy because so many cities, so many states are so different on their stance. You know what I mean? Some people are opening back up. Some people aren't. It's just so weird. It's so like unpredictable right now for everybody. Yeah, it is. They, um, the school district that my kids are in, they actually sent out a survey wanting to know what the parents were going, what the parents wanted to do. You know, I live outside of the city and, you know, in the city, they're going to, they're going to have days where, you know, the kids go in three days a week and then they're homeschool the other two and, you know, switch it up. Right, but where right. I live, they're just trying to, they're still trying to figure it out. And, and they running out of Hopefully, time. They don't got that much time left. <laughs> yeah. They really don't. <laughs> August, is just, August is just next week. Literally. <laughs> 
it is just next week. So how has the pandemic affected you as a, as a business owner, as an author? I've gotten a lot more writing done. I've had to get creative with things. Right now, um, I created a, t a couple of t-shirts that say author, give the definition of author, um, another t-shirt that says authoress, another t-shirt that says writer, and notebooks that have you know either writer on the cover or author on the cover. Mm. So it's like you have to get kind of more creative and kind of crafty. Right, right. You got to come up with ways to sell it to still sell yourself. But luckily, Absolutely. you know, with the, with COVID, the good thing about COVID, a lot of people have been reading. Yeah. You know, Amazon yeah. is still out there. So that's the upside. You know, people are still reading and people are still interested. But, you know, keep them interested. You got to work at it. You still have to work at it. Come up with different ways to get them. Right. And that was actually surprising. Like people, it was, it was like they were running out of TV shows to watch. So then everybody, yeah, so many people start running back to the books, which definitely, like you said, like definitely a good thing. I think we've all watched everything on Netflix. We've all watched everything on Amazon. <laughs> Twice. I know I have. <laughs> yeah. To the point to where, you know, you can say the lines with the actors. Right. You just need something so different from, <laughs> from yeah. what's going on in there. So when did when did your writing journey begin? Um, it began actually when I was about nine. Mm. Um, I had a I had a brother that passed away, and in order for me to kind of get my feelings out, I wrote about it, and from there I just kept on writing. I kept on writing, and then you know I wrote poetry first. I started writing poetry first. And then I got comfortable around, I say, 97, 98 with sharing my poetry with other people because I would write it and just keep it to myself. Right, I right. I wouldn't share it. And then once I started to share it and people were just like, oh, I went through that, exper that same experience and this is how I got through it. And it kind of, you know, started a line of communication. And so it was like, well, since people are talking back and responding really good to these poems, why not? try to get them published mm. and around 2000 i was just like you know what i'm gonna find a publisher to see if i can get it up get to, i'll try to try to see if i can get my poems published i found a publisher um they were like oh we loved how you wrote this we love how you said this and we want to publish you but we want to publish you for x amount of dollars mm. and at that time i didn't know anything about the publishing industry oh, i just thought you submit and then, you know, you get published. Right, right. And so I was just like, you know what? Cool. I signed and I sent them the first payment. But then I was just like, you know what? Since I'm doing this, let me educate myself. And so I started to, you know, read up on publishing. And then I read with poetry, if I wasn't like Maya Angelou or Sonia Sanchez, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to sell my poetry. I wouldn't be able to promote or market myself. And so it was just like, you know what? There has to be another way. Mm. I had wrote a short. I had wrote a short story, and I went back to that short story, and that short story ended up becoming Dream Team. Really? Which was then pub. Yeah, it was then published in two thousand and seven. So, from two thousand to about two thousand 
four or five, I wrote and educated myself with the publishing industry. And then I went about it the correct way, which was querying different agents and publishers. I queried about 21 different agents and publishers altogether. Wow. Half said no. And then the other half were like, okay, we'll send in the synopsis in either the first three chapters or the synopsis in the full manuscript before they said no. Then I was just like, okay. Wow. There still has to be another, there still has to be another way for me to do this. And so I started looking into um, the subsidiary publishing houses. And then I met someone who had experience with the houses that I was looking into. And they were just like, no, no, the pro, the cons outweighed the pros. And so they were just like, you know, here's this publishing house. They'll publish you for free. All you have to do is put your money into your marketing. And that's what I did. I ended up publishing Dream Teeny for free. Mm. And I put my money into my marketing and promoting. And then, like I said, it was finally the first edition was published in 2007. And as I was marketing and promoting that book, I got pregnant with my first son. And so it was just like, you know what? I'm going to have to put this on the back burner for a minute mm. because, you know, I want to have, you know, be, I, I want to be a mom. Right, right. And so um, I became a mom twice. And throughout that whole time, throughout that whole entire time, I never stopped writing. I continued to write. And then 2016, I was just like, okay, it's time to get back out there. And so, um, I republished Dream Teeny. I brought it up to date. And then it called for a follow up. The first edition, it called for a follow up. So I already had the follow up written. Oh, really? And then, yeah, I had, ar- had the follow up already written. And then 2018, I re-released Dream Teeny. Mm. I gotta, I gotta go back a little bit. So what, what, whatever happened mm-hmm. to that first company after you made that first payment? I was okay. So they were like, you know, if you have, they would give you a refund. They would give you your money back. They would give you a percentage of your money back, depending on where you were in the in the contract or the the publishing process and when i discovered that i wouldn't be able to sell the poetry i was past getting any money back oh wow so i had to i had to chalk it i even though it was a loss i still chalked it up as a gain Mm. because i learned from that experience and what i learned from that experience i just applied it to the next round and so how did you handle those no's, those rejections once you start querying? And like you said, it was 21 agents and companies and you started receiving those no's some sooner than others. How did you handle those and then stay motivated, keep writing and continue on this journey? Somebody was going to, I just felt somebody was eventually going to say yes. So I just kept at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just said it, they, for me, it wasn't just a flat out no. It was like, you know, a no, not good for us at this right. time. Okay, well, it's not good for you at this time. Okay, so maybe a later time. But by then, I just started thinking, let me just go another route. Right, you know? right. Somebody's going to say yes. Eventually, somebody's going to say yes. Eventually, somebody's going to say yes. That was always in my mind. 
So once you, so once you were in a search, and then you, like you said, you had the friend, you had the connection to that subsidiary publishing company. What were some of the cons that they mentioned to you? It was more of, you know, the marketing. They weren't going to, you know, they say they're going to do something, but they don't follow mm -hmm. through. It was more of, you know, your, the marketing and the promoting. Mm. It's like, okay, you still, you're paying them, but you still, in, in turn, you still have to, you know, do the marketing and promoting, and they're not going to assist you in that. You have to kind of figure that out. So it's like, if I'm paying all this money, you should be at least helping me or, you know, staring me in the direction of how I should market and promote my book. You should do something. <laughs> yeah, you should do, yeah, you should do something. I shouldn't have to figure that out on right. my own. So, it's just like, oh, they're not going to do that. Okay. So, where are you at now in your publishing? If I can get this published for free. I publish through um, KDP, which is through Amazon. Solely independent now? Solely independent. What made you want to take that route instead of continuing the the search for agents, continue to query them? Because like you said, it might have not been right for them at that time, but obviously it's, it's years later. So what made you go to the completely independent route? I, I have more control. I see my vision. I know what I want. And sometimes I might have a hard time expressing that to somebody else, but I get it. So for me to do, for me to be able to do it by myself on my own, I can take my time. If I'm not ready, I don't have to put anything out. If I am ready, I can put whatever it is that mm -hmm. I want out. Exactly. So it's like I have, you know, complete control. I just, and plus I'm not stuck with writing in just one genre. Like I said, I originally started writing poetry and I've always wanted my poems to be published. Doing it on my own, I can publish right. my poem. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you always... It's like I can publish what I, can publish what when I want, you want when I want. Right. <laughs> and how you want to. Yeah. That's, the, that's the beauty yeah. of it. That's and how I want to, yeah. Did you, did you always... I'm working on my time, right. and somebody else's time. Absolutely. Did you always see a career in being an author, even when you were back uh, attempting to get the the poetry books published? Not really. really? No. Honestly, no. No. This is. I just. For me, I like to write. I enjoy writing. This is going to sound crazy. I like writing my name a hundred times on a piece of paper. That's how much I enjoy. That's how much I enjoy writing. That's great. I keep journals. Like I enjoy writing. I never saw it as a career. So what is it? What is it about writing? Like you said, just even writing your name. What is it about just putting that pen to the paper that that gives you so much fulfillment? For me, it's therapeutic. Mm. It's therapeutic for me. It's therapeutic and it kind of, if I'm going through something, I can write what I can write about it. 
read it back to myself, let it marinate and be like, ah, this is what's going hey. on. <laughs> okay, so now I got to do this in order to do that. You know, it's it's really the therapeutic for me. It's, ther- it's my therapy. So who, who are some of your favorite writers? I love Perry McMillan. Shout out to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Tony Morrison. Mm. Um, those two are my favorite. But then I have, you know, I read different books. So I like, um, like Robert Greene. I love. Yeah, you know, Forty Eight Powers of Law, the, the Art of Seduction. Mm. I love those books. Um, it's just yeah, I just have favorite books. I really like Terry McMillan and Tony Morrison are my favorite authors, but like I really don't have everything is just like favorite mm. books. I have more favorite books. So what is like? one of your goals when it comes to writing because i know so many authors have different it's interesting talking to different authors because there are so many different paths that they're on so many different journeys so what is give me one of your goals that you eventually are aiming for when it comes to writing i want to create my own tv show Mm, a tv show yes damn That's full. That's all out there. (laughs) Let me go back. Let me go back. So when I got all of those no's back, I questioned myself. I was just like, well, you know, what is it that you really want to do as a writer? And I was like, you know, eventually I want to write a movie or, you know, create a TV show. And at that time, after after asking myself that question, a couple of days later, I kid you not, I got a catalog for a screenwriters expo in LA. Oh. Wow. I flipped through that cat I flipped through that catalog. It looked as if I had that catalog for a whole year. You know when you fold a magazine and it <laughs> yeah, gets full. Full. <laughs> that and I only I only had it for a week. I looked through it and then I was like, you know what? This is something that I eventually want to do. So let me start learning about the industry right now. So I registered for that expo booked my ticket, booked a hotel, and I went, I found out, I found a way to actually attend the conference for free. How was and that? I went to the conference. <laughs> you, volu- you volunteer for a day and you can, you could attend the conference for free. Oh, wow. So I picked, yeah, so I chose a day where there weren't that many seminars that I wanted to attend, which was that Sunday. And I ended up attending the conference for free and getting a whole lot of information. And I went to that expo for three years straight. And then whatever other expo they recommended, I had went. So for like, I think three or four years, I was going back and forth to LA, learning about, you know, TV writing, learning about screenplay writing, learning about, you know, interacting with directors and producers. I got to meet um, Antoine Fisher at one of the conferences that I went to. I got to meet, um, you remember the show? I don't know if you remember the show, Reno 911? Yes, yes, yes. 
I got to meet the creators of that show. I got to meet writers who wrote uh, for um, In Living Color. Wow. So, yeah. Damn. So how much how much of a role did that that those interactions and that networking and, and that opportunity play into your journey? It played a great deal. You know, making connections and you know, still people checking up on you to make sure you're still trying to do what you're you still trying to do what you want to do or you're still going in that direction. It's like, you know, look, if you have a question you can always reach out. So it's mm. like, anytime I can reach out if I have a question? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Are you sure about that now? Right, right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So it's just like, you know, okay, well, what do I need to do now? Do I need to do this or should I do this? So yeah, it, it's played a, a great role, a huge role. So it's like, you know, I'm creating that show. I'm almost ready. Almost, it's almost done. It's almost done. <laughs> oh yeah. So, just didn't, just didn't want, like I said, just didn't want to stick to books. Right. Didn't want to stick to novels. Didn't want to stick to poetry. Eventually, I want to branch out. I want to create a TV show. Maybe, perhaps, turn one of those novels into a movie. Absolutely. I have the knowledge. I have resources. So you know. Now you just got to do it. I'm good. Yeah, I'm about to say, now you just yeah. got to do it. You know what I mean? So you also wrote in nonfiction. What was the inspiration mm -hmm. behind writing those books? Because obviously we know with nonfiction and sharing some of these stories, it's, it's a place of vulnerability for some people. So what was the inspiration behind yeah. those stories and those books, I should say? Just the the poems, sharing my poems with other people, and then going to do open mics, and then you know having people come up to me and say, you know what, I've experienced that, I've gone through this. Just it's kind of my way of letting people know, look, you know, we all go through crazy things. You're not the only one that goes through it. I I went through it. I'm either I went through it or I'm still going through it. So it's just me being open, me being vulnerable to my readers, letting my readers know who I am and why I write mm. what I write. What was your first open mic performance? My first open mic performance was at one of uh, at a a lodge. They were doing. They had like a um like a little show. And some of the people there knew that I wrote. They were like, you know, can you write something and perform and just, you know, recite it? I'm like, uh, they got me on the spot. <laughs> okay, give me a minute. Oh, like, like right there? <laughs> give me a minute. Yeah, like right then and like right then and oh. there. <laughs> and so it was just like, okay, just give me a minute. And I would write something and be like, okay, I'm ready. And I would write. And then um, people would actually come up to me and be like, well, can you write something for me? Mm. And it's just like, um, 
let's have a little conversation. And I would have a conversation with that person and then kind of just go off of what they told me. I've written poems for people getting married. Crazy. I would write it and then have it framed for them as a wedding gift. And then like a, a lot of times people would put me on the spot to like write something. It's just like, oh, really? Right now? Just give me a minute. Let me think. What am I going right. to <laughs> That's crazy. What am I willing to share with you? And then one of, after that, I actually found out about an open mic where I was able to prepare in advance and then go there and I'm one of those people I have to write. I'm not one of those, um, I love them. And I admire what they do, the spoken word artists, when they just go up there and they just freestyle and give it to you raw. Right. I love that. I love right. that. For me, I have to write and then be like, okay, let me pull it up right quick. <laughs> let me pull it up right quick. Was it? Was there ever a moment of like nervousness, that feeling with, with like your first couple performances, or were you just a natural performer? I'm always nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Like my mom would accompany me, and I like, mommy, come sit in the front, please. All right, have my mom sit in the front, and just having my mom sit in the front. I'm good. But like, I guess once I get into it, I get calm and I can go. But I have to have my mom there. I have to have somebody close to me there sitting in the front. So it's always been my mom. Like, mom, I got this open mic. You ready? You ready? Let's go. We out. I need you in the front. Yeah. So what was mom's reaction or in your family's reaction once you became this published author? Because obviously they see, they, they, they've seen the journey um, since you were young of the writing. But what was, the, what was their reaction once you actually published your book? My mom has been my biggest supporter. I can remember working on Dream Teeny and I, you know, go in my room, close the door, open up my laptop or open up my notebook and start to write. And she would come, like she would call me and I wouldn't like get to her fast enough. And she would come to the room and open up the door and she would see that I'm writing. She'd be like, all right, okay, it can wait. So she was like mm. my biggest supporter. And then once I got the book published, she was, she was just so happy, so proud. She actually, the local Barnes and Noble up by where we where we are, she actually got them to put the book on the shelf. Oh wow. The first publishing house the first publishing house, they got the book on the website, on the Barnes and Noble's website. But my mom, she made the phone calls, she made all the phone calls for me and she got the book and so she got the book on the shelf at Barnes and Noble's and she kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. I remember one day she called and she was like, it's on the shelf. Mm. 
And I remember it was me and two, yeah, it was me and two other friends. Like we were sitting on the deck. And she, after she got the phone, she was like, it's there. It's on the shelf. Me and my two friends, we got in the car. We drove straight to Barnes and Nobles. And there it was on the shelf. What was that feeling like? Shout out to mom, by the way. Right? <laughs> what was that feeling like when you saw it? That's a feeling. It was like, oh my God. Like, yo, <laughs> that's my book. That's my book right there. You see that? That's my book. It has my name and it's on the shelf at Barnes and Crazy. Took a picture. We walked out of Barnes and Nobles and I remember just raising my arms up in the air like, yes! I'm on the shelf at Barnes and Nobles. And then that was July of 2007. And then February of 2008, I did my first book signing at that same mm. time. Talk, talk me through that. Tell me through that, that that book signing. That was your first one? It was the first one. Um, talk me through that moment. What was that moment like? Preparation and all. I want to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you go, you have to go, you have to talk to the manager. Um, they set up a date, they, you know, kind of figure out when, the, when you can do it. And since it was, since Dream Teenie is a romance novel, of course, February, Valentine's Day, we did it in February. Um, we came, we got there early. I think the book signing started at maybe like seven. So we were there maybe 6.30, a half hour before. They had the chairs all set up in the center of the store. And then there was a table, the table, I had um, gift bags, I had a little podium. There was well over 15 people, more, 15, 20 people there okay. that came in. They brought the book, signed, I signed, you know, signed the book for people. I gave them little gifts. Um, I read an excerpt out of the book. And the whole time inside, I'm just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Like, I'm, I'm legit, like, right there. Right, legit. I was legit, right, I was legit right there. Hometown, Barnes and Nobles, I'm signing, giving autographs, signing my own books, giving people thank you gifts. It wasn't, that was an experience. Something I I can't I won't ever forget. That having my two kids, then Barnes and Noble's book signing. That's how it goes. Mm. It's up there. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> signing your book. I always wondered this. Was that, that first one, was that the weird feeling for you? Because we, you know, we grew up in the era of like where autographs were still a big thing. So um, was that like weird to you at first? Once you realized like somebody actually wants my, wants my, my signature in the book, you know what I mean? They want it personalized. So what was that like? What was that moment like when you first realized that, uh, hey, that was like a thing. Like you got to sign a book, basically autographing, you know what I mean? Your work for somebody. 
Okay, remember I said I like to write. It's going to be loving the moment. Name, <laughs> me writing my name on a piece of paper a hundred times was me actually practicing my autograph. So I was mm. ready for that moment. And for somebody to be like, okay, well, you know, you have to sign my book. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I was waiting for you. No I was waiting for this moment. Thank you, that. I have a special pin. No, 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 no. I got a pin. For, I have a special pin just for this. That's crazy. I have a special pen, yes. <laughs> like no need, no, no, no need to get a pen. I'm already ready. I got. I have I'm ready. It. I have it. <laughs> yeah. I like my medium ballpoint, so I, I got it. I'm good. <laughs> what is one tip you give an aspiring author right now? Keep writing. Don't stop. Somebody wants to read what you've written. Somebody wants to read your story. So don't stop. Keep, write, keep writing your story until you feel that you're ready to put it out there. And don't be scared to put it out there. Mm. Sometimes, you know, you got, you have, for me, it's just like, who's going to read this? Anybody going to read it? Right. Anybody going to like it? But you know what? You got to get over that fear. And just do what you do and put it out there. Somebody will read it. Somebody gonna read it. Somebody gonna read it. Somebody gonna be like, I read this book by this person, which is pretty, it's a pretty good book. I recommend you read it. Yep. Now, this independent author journey, as most people know, it is, you are everything you're you, you got to find all your, your editors designers do your marketing do your promotion everything so how has the, the the publishing journey been um for you so far so far i have no complaints it's been pretty it's been pretty good and you know there are tools out there for us as far as you know, creating our book covers, and for me, knowing people, knowing that I can go to a teacher and be like, you know, can you read this one, please? Mm. What do I need to take out? What do I need to change? And just having control. It. The marketing and promoting actually is the hardest part, but once you kind of maneuver it and you understand it. Then it's easier. It becomes easier. You just have to know what works best for you. Mm. How you market and promote, you have to know what works best for you. You know, newsletters might work better than, you know, being on social media. Right, social right. media might work better than sending out a newsletter. Word of mouth might even work better than newsletters and social media. Right. It's just, you know, kind of putting yourself out there, finding different things, different outlets that you can use that will get you out there because even sometimes with social media it's like you have to stuff content sometimes you don't want to do it sometimes you don't i can get on social media and just be on social media just social media just for fun and not want to put anything that i'm working on right right oh absolutely on it <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like okay like I have, have to. to. I'm working on yeah, something like, new. Yeah, 
I have to, like I have to. And so it's like, you know, with this pandemic, you know, I've been able to kind of um, revamp marketing and promote and promoting, come up with a different plan. And hopefully this plan will work with what I use what I used before. I used a newsletter and word of mouth. Oh, that was your method? Okay. Yeah. And every now and then I would put something up on social media. <laughs> every now and then. And now it's like I have every now like yeah, every now and then I would put up something on social media. But now I have a calendar where it's like, okay, boom. On this day, this is what's gonna go up. On this day oh, wow. that's gonna go up. And then you got a plan yeah. plan. Yeah, I have a plan for you. Before it was like I was kind of winging yeah. it, but now I have a plan. For right, you. right. Which is not easy. Because again, it's just, it's, yeah, it's not. And it's just like, you know, finding people that you really trust to see your vision through. Sometimes it's hard. It's like, okay, I don't know. You say you understand, but you're looking at me like, you don't. You're saying yes, but you're looking like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> You know what? I'll just do it myself. I'll do it myself. I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. Now, did you create your covers for your book? Yeah. Yep. Nice. What was that process like? Yes, I did. At first, it was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Can I find somebody to do this for me? But I have this vision. So let me just find what I need. If I can find what I need, I can go with that. And then it'll work. And then with follow up, it'll go together. So it's like, you know, with the two books, it's like I saw one picture first and then it was just like, okay, well now I need another. So how can I get something else or come up with something that'll kind of connect them together, connect the two and bring it all together. So, you know, with Dream Teeny, you have the bride, and then with Dream Teeny 2, you have the bride who's pregnant. So it kind of yeah, worked. Yeah, definitely did. And then with the poetry book, I just used myself. It was like, this is about me, so why not use right. me? And so with pieces of me, I use, there's four different images of me. So there's four different images. And then with Simply Me, it's just one image. Mm. So with pieces of me, you got four different images. You have four different images. Piece of piece of piece. Right? right? And then just me. Simply me. Now this next book I'm working on. Ooh. It's finished. But now I got to figure out the cover. Mm. Is that one a nonfiction? I think that's the hardest part. Um, it's a novel, so it's like you know, I think that's the hardest part. Coming up with a cover that's going to catch the person's right. eye or their attention, and then make them you know pick it up and be like, "Hey, the title, picture." Hmm. Right. Absolutely. You know, the first cover for Dream, for the first edition of Dream Teeny, the cover was a martini glass. 
and it had like um the drink was blue and it had clouds in it. So what made you switch? That cover, it just didn't do anything for me anymore. I figure, you know, the main character is two weeks away from getting married, so why not put that up there? Put that on the cover instead of right. the drink. And it actually flows because you got, the, like you said, the second cover, and you have the, the, the silhouette of her pregnant, so it actually actually flows with each yeah. other. Because with the martini glass, it's like, okay, well, second. <laughs> Use the same martini glass. <laughs> yeah, right? Change up, just change right. up the color. So I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, this is what's happening in this book. So let this be what's happening in the first book. And so, like you said, it goes, it mm. goes together. Was did you know Dream Teeny was going to be a series, or did the or did the book just take a life of its own? When I was done with Dream Teeny, I was just the way that I ended it. It was just like, yeah, no, you have to come <clears> up <throat> with something else because you can't leave like you can't leave the readers like, yo. Well, they're gonna test you out. Like, after when people got it this time, this time around, I had people inbox me. I had people sending me text messages. I had people calling me like, "So, um, what's going on? Is there a follow up?" Like, yeah, it's coming. Don't worry, it's it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And then even with this one, even with the follow up, I'm like. I can write a third one, but do I really? Mm. So the way that Dream Teeny Two ends, I can it can end, it can end that way. But you know, for me, to read it back, it's like I still have questions. Like, well, what right, happened right. to this character? What happened to that character? Did these two characters? So it's like, okay, there can be a third book, but I'm still <laughs> chill for now. Yo, people don't understand. Readers don't play, man. They'll be all in your, in your inbox trying to figure out what's going on with the book before you even even get done with it. <laughs> yeah. Because somebody was just like, well, I don't think these two are going to make... Do you, do you <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> okay. You thought I was really going to have a combo okay. with you about it? <laughs> that's what you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. Right. Okay, that's how you feel, okay. They don't work. Okay, you're right. Oh, man. So, speaking of Dream Teeny, I'm going to read the synopsis real quick. Mm -hmm. It says, two years later and two weeks away from getting married, Missy receives a series of phone calls from an anonymous caller. This anonymous caller turns out to be her ex-boyfriend, Jerry. With curiosity getting the best of her, she goes Mm -hmm. to him and hears what he has to say. Over drink, she finds out that he is no longer married and he wants her back. Wanting to forget about the evening and all that Jerry had to say, Missy goes home to one of her infamous dream teens. Could this be reality or just a dream? If 
follow Missy as she tries to fight temptation and follow her heart. Now, for those who don't know, explain what the Dream Teeny is. Okay, so you remember back in the day they had Calgon Take yeah. Me Away? The the bubble bath, Calgon Take Me Away? That's what Dream Teeny is. It's one of those drinks where if you have a stressful day, it's a shot of tequila, mm. a shot of rum, a shot of vodka, and whatever you want to add for flavor. And you, if you have a long day or a stressful day, you go home and you have that and it makes you forget about that day. But one of the side effects is sometimes you don't know, once you go to sleep, you sleep so hard that you don't know if the day before was reality or if it was a dream. So you wake Dang. up, you're kind of like out of it. Yeah, you're kind of out of it. You don't know. Wait, you ask yourself, wait, did that just happen? Did that happen or was it a dream? <laughs> And then somebody reminds you, like, then somebody reminds you, like, yo, for Missy, it was like, you know, your ex just was here. And, you know, are you, do you know he's in town? Did you speak to him? And she's just like, oh, well, no, that was reality. That was so, but she's had so many that she's like, they don't affect her anymore. She's just like, oh, man, I got to stop drinking these. And so, you know, it follows her, like, like I said, um, it follows Missy as she's two weeks away from getting married and her ex-boyfriend is just trying to get her back. He's trying to make her, you know, change her mind, like, you know, either call it off or postpone it. And if we can, you know, work out, then, you know, we get back together and we live happily ever after. And so for the two weeks, she's just trying hard to resist, but they were high school sweethearts. They went through a lot together. So some things is like you know that love is still there, right, absolutely. But then when you get to the end, you're just like, oh, okay, all right. It's a weird ending. <clears throat> it's a weird ending that makes you have to read the second book to actually see what really happened. Where'd you get the drink idea from and the name? Um, the drink, I just made it up. Honestly, I made it up. It's like, what, what can really knock somebody out? Tequila, rum, and vodka. Especially if you're heavy handed. Especially if you're heavy handed. <laughs> <laughs> Released my books. I had a a book release party, seven seven o seven. And so mm. for everybody that came, everybody was able to have this drink. Oh shit, that's dope. Yeah, I had everybody was able to have the drink. Everybody, you know, people went home with um martini glasses, decorated martini glasses. And so, yeah, so came up with that drink. I just, like I said, I just made it up. It was really good. That's dope. And so, um. Damn. Gotta get creative. How was, how was the release party? 
it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> like um we the part we started at like four o'clock in the afternoon and we ended at like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, that was an all day affair. It, right? it, it was. <laughs> And it only ended because, you know, I had it at my mom. We had it at my mom's house. And it only ended because somebody parked their car in the wrong direction because the cops kept coming through, wasn't saying anything. And a lot of, there were two other, I remember there were two other parties that day. And those two parties got shut down. And people from those parties ended up coming to the book signing, the book release party. And like I said, the cops kept coming through, kept coming through, kept coming through. And then they noticed that one car was parked on the side, but parked in the wrong direction. And it was just like, oh, okay. But it was, uh, yeah, pretty much an all day. Yeah. Damn. But it was nice. I had, a, I had a nice turnout. I had Did you have a release party for the second one, too? Actually, nope. I did... Um, podcast interviews for the second one i did podcast yep i did podcast right. interviews for the second one and then with um with stream teeny 2 i wanted to do something but thanks to covid right can't do say, you can't, can't do that <laughs> you do something but if it's gonna be at a risk yeah <laughs> Will be the same, yeah. It's not gonna, yeah, it's not really not gonna be the same. And then the virtual right. launch, it's like, okay, gotta do a virtual launch. So, mm. everything is a learning experience, you know. For me, like I said, everything is a learning experience. So, with the next book, I know, okay, what I'm gonna do, how I'm gonna do it, right, and what works for everybody. We're all accustomed to Zoom now, now so. I about to say it's so normal now. That's the, yeah. <laughs> so normal, and convenient Zoom, for so many people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And what was the inspiration behind the book? It was a short, like I said, it was a short story, and it pushed me as a writer. Because remember, I tried to. I wanted to come out with. I wanted to come out as a with my poems. Right. I wanted my poems published first, and since I wasn't, I'm not my Angelou or Sonia Sanchez. It was like, okay, let me go back to the short story and see what I can do. And so, it's it's what pushed me as an author. The author side, it pushed the author side. It brought out the author side. Hmm. So it was just me trying to see, just me taking a short story to see if I can extend it into a novel. And I was able, I was able to. That's interesting because so many writers out there, it's so many of them that have short stories and they just have them sitting around or they put them out somewhere. Um, but you turn that into two novels. So what was, I'm trying to think of what, would you advise somebody that's writing that has work um, to do to maybe extend a short story into something to, to make it reach its full potential? Read it, 
then ask yourself, ask yourself, well, what would happen if, what if, how could, what, when, why, where, how, who, ask yourself those questions when you read the short story and see where you can go from, and see how, see where you can go from there. Because for me, it was like, I actually started, the short story was actually the, um, wedding dinner rehearsal the wedding rehearsal dinner and so i wrote that as a short story and i was like well how did i get here how can i get Mm. how can i get to this point okay this is how i can get to this point so i wrote the lead up to the dinner and then it was like okay well what happens after the dinner and I wrote what happens after the after the dinner. And then when I thought I was coming to the end, it was like, well, people are going to ask, well, what happened? Okay, so now I need to tell them what happened. Now I really need to tell them what happened. So we went through all that to get to like the what happened. So you just really have to read the short story and ask yourself how you got to that point and what happened, what can happen after that point. And if there's still a question, answer that and make that, you know, a second book or a third book or a fourth book or however many books you need to make, however many books you need to write. But for me, it was just asking myself, okay, well, how did I get to this point? Because, I mean, the short story was just out of the blue, like, why am I writing about a wedding rehearsal dinner? Okay. Well, now, how did I get this? Right, right. That's crazy. Now, your nonfiction book, Pieces of Me. They are your thoughts and your feelings and your experience. Break down that title for me. Um, It's just things that I've that I've went through that contributed to who I am or who I'm becoming. Um, I had fun back in the day. I'm 43. So in my 20s, I had a lot of fun. And so in having fun, I learned things about myself. Like I experienced things that helped me become a little bit stronger at that time. And so it's just the fun side of me, the loving side of me, the sensual side of me. Just it's just pieces of me. Now, in this book, you start off by talking about life. In that passage, you ask a lot of deep questions, such as what is life about? Were we given life to make an impact? Why do our lives change throughout the course of time? Why are those questions about life so important? I think that's the frame of mind I was in when I wrote that. I think we, for me, I was going through something and I just didn't understand. 
So it's like, what is my life? Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Why am I here? Like, am I supposed to make an impact on somebody else's life? Or am I just supposed to make, try to make an impact on my own life? Mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I guess I was at that point to where it was just like, I was just questioning everything that I was doing. Like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? Like, what is it? I'm, what is it? Am, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Like, I didn't know. I guess I was just trying to figure out my purpose. And those were the questions that I had to ask myself in order to figure out what my purpose was. I think it's, did I have? No, I had the, okay, so it was, that was 2000. Okay, so I wrote that. 90, I wrote that in 99. Mm. Yeah, I wrote that in 1999. And then two years later, I had a dream. And in the dream, I heard somebody crying. I'm always the type of person, if I see that there's something wrong with you, and I can just sense that there's something bothering you, I'm going to ask you what's wrong and try to help you figure out how you can make whatever the situation is better. And I remember having a dream. In the dream, I heard this lady, I heard a female crying. And I got up and I walked in the direction where I heard the crying coming from. Nobody was there. Crying stopped. It happened like three times. And then all of a sudden, my body started jerking. And my head, in order for me, I couldn't get up. The fourth time I tried to get up, I couldn't get up. Wow. So I tried to move my head from the side. And then my body started to jerk. And once I was able to like really move, I jumped up out of my sleep. And when I woke up, it was me who was crying. I couldn't find myself to help myself. Like at that point, I didn't know, like I really didn't know like what it, I didn't know what the dream meant. And like a couple of days later, I figured it out. I was like, damn, I can't even find myself to help myself. So something's got to give, something's got to change. And that's when I really dove into the writing and, Trying and try to get it, you know, get everything, get my poem published. Mm. I think I shared, I call it the cry. I think I shared that in pieces of me. I think, yeah, the cry. I think, yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's deep. I mean, um, that moment. Looking, looking back now, mm-hmm. everything you've been through. How much of it would you would you change if you could talk to your younger self or did everything that you go like you like you mentioned a lot that these are lessons and obviously with lessons once we learn from them it helps it helps develop character so how much of it would you change because I know there's so many people out here that are living life whether they're they're young or whether they um past those younger years and they're still trying to develop life. How much of it would you change? Because a lot of times we try to change ourselves when we can just build off the lessons. And it's, and it's crazy that you talk about the lessons so much um, because you can learn from them. So how much of it would you change if you go back and talk to your younger self? I wouldn't change anything. 
learn the lesson and move on. Whatever the lesson is that needs to be learned, take it and move on. Because it will help you. It, 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 it will eventually help you along the way. So continue to do what you do. Learn the lesson and move on. But if you're not learning the lesson, then slow down. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not learning the lesson, just slow down. Just out here doing. <laughs> yeah, you just out here. Yeah. Look, there was a lesson to be learned here. Right. You didn't learn that lesson. Yeah. Now there's going to be another lesson learned. Right. Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. That one lesson gonna turn into three lessons. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Three or four. <laughs> but I wouldn't change anything. So what's next for you? What can we expect? Well, I have this novel, The Tales of Kayla and KK. After I finished the follow-up to Dream Teeny, I started writing the Tales of Kill and KK. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of short stories, and it's about a woman's sexual journey. And I was just like, okay, I'll give you these short stories, but then I was just like, you know what? I want to switch it up. The short stories, okay, so Kayla. Is the person KK is the JJ. Mm. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Right, we are naming exactly. it now. So, <laughs> so, but if the JJ could speak, what would it say and how would it describe the sexual experience? Damn. So the short stories are coming from two perspectives. Yo, <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine. Like a conversation. <laughs> sometimes those conversations yeah, ain't gonna add up. To... Like <laughs> ain't gonna match up. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's like I said, there's two sides, there's two when there's when there's a situation, there's two sides of the story. There's her side and his side. So I was like, Well, you know, his side is always gonna be his side and her side is always gonna be her side. But if the JJ could describe the situation, what would the what would the JJ say, and how would they how would it describe the situation? So mm. that's what the tales of KK the tales of Kayla and KK is about. And so I'm just trying to get the cover right. So it's about like 21 short stories, and when you read when you read the short stories, it's not gonna you have to kind of figure out who's telling the story, and it's kind of easy to tell. Who's telling the story? There's some stories where both of them are telling, are both giving, they're both giving their sides to the story. That's hot though. That's a dope. That's definitely a dope concept. Definitely a dope concept. So that's yeah. I guess I'm just trying to figure out the cover. I have two covers that I like. So I'm just trying to figure out which one I like more. Once I figure out which one I like more, that's what I'm gonna go with. Hoping to release that in September. Mm. 
Okay. It seems like your writing has a lot of meaning behind it, whether it's your nonfiction or your fiction. Is that intentional or is that just your style? It's just my style. It's not intentional. Um, yeah, no, it's not intentional. It's just my style. I try to give... Um, I try to add a little real to the fiction. Give people something they can relate to. I mean, some, you know, fiction stories you read, you know, I, oh, you know, I can kind of understand where this character is coming from because I've been in that situation before or I understand that feeling because I felt that before. I just right. want to give them a feeling that they've felt before, that they're familiar with. And so, But it's not intentional. It's just my style. I know I've written things where I just Sometimes I just write to write, and then there are times where I write so that, okay, I want you to feel this. I don't want to be the only one feeling it, so I want you to feel it too. But it's not intentional. Maybe it is intentional, but it's unintentional at the same time. So, yeah, it's just mm. my style. Now, let everybody know where they can like find the book, find your work, your social medias websites, everything they can do to get in contact with you and get your work. Okay, so the tales of Kale not the tales. Not ready yet, but um Dream Teeny, Dream Teeny Two, The Reality, Pieces of Me, Simply Me, they're all available on Amazon dot com, soft cover and Kindle. Um Dream Teeny is available soft cover through barnesandnobles.com. Dream Teeny 2 is also available on barnesandnobles.com, but only for the Nook. Um, if you have an iPad or iPhone and you have the iBookstore, Dream Teeny 2 is available there. Um, my website is www.dowdywrite.com. My Instagram, at dowdywrite. Twitter at Dowdy Wright. Facebook, Dowdy Wright. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Dowdy Wright. You yeah, know, I'm Goodreads as well under Arnitris Dowdy. That's A R N I T T R E S Dowdy, D O W D O W D Y. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, all my books are available on Amazon. You can reach out to me, on, like I said, on Instagram, at Dowdy Wright, Twitter, at Dowdy Wright, Facebook, Dowdy Wright. Nice. All right. That was our Nitris Dowdy, and this was the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Our Nitris, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for joining us on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.